Welcome back to The Exam Room. I'm your host, Brian Vardabedian. I had the chance recently to sit down with rheumatologist Ron Cavanaugh. He's the founder of the famous .md conference. Described as a two-day festival of curiosity for health professionals, it's one of the coolest medical meetings I've ever had the chance to go to. In this episode, we discuss .md, how it started, and why a medical meeting like this is so relevant now. What's happening in medicine or not happening in medicine that's forcing us to turn to music and art to fight cynicism, burnout, and boredom? I hope you enjoy the conversation. For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions. And they really want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make a decision with confidence. With Loyal's Empower Solution, you have the tools to do just that. Empower your patients, the patient, and provide a solution, maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients really are saying about their experience. You could sort, approve, and publish patient reviews of physicians, services, and even practices using some of the intelligent features like auto-approval and syntax highlighting. To learn more, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. Welcome to the exam room, Ronan. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, I think uh, you're one of the most interesting doctors I know, Ronan, largely because of what you've done with the organization of this meeting called .md. This is the only medical meeting I know that mandates the inclusion of banjos. So <laughs> what, what is .md? Well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a two-day festival of ideas for doctors who want a bit more from medicine. And I suppose the main mission of the event is that it, it aims to reawaken a passion and wonder for medicine that some of us might have lost along the way. Um, and uh, it, it, we've run it over the last um, six or seven years as a one-day meeting in Dublin to a, you know, an audience of upwards of about 200 people. Um, but the demand of the meeting um, for what it provides um, means that we've had to expand it. So, so this year, we're going to run it for an audience of about 500 people. Um, and it's it's wow. based in based in Ireland, um, and uh, you you've spoken at the meeting before, Brian. You have a sense of what it's about. Uh, you know, Rona, when I think of uh, successful meetings in medicine, I think of like spaces. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think .md occupies the space where technology, art, digital culture, and creativity kind of come together. So that's one of the things I loved about .md when I when I was there before. Yeah, well, I, I think that the, the meeting attempts to sort of approach medicine with a, you know, a fairly expansive uh, point of view, as opposed to the traditional fairly reductionist, um, hardcore um, science approach. So really, anything that shines a light on how we practice medicine and through multiple lenses is fair game for the program, you know, so we look at medicine through the lenses of the arts, which to date has included, you know, like art, photography, storytelling, um, cartoons, <laughs> philosophy, uh, technology, um, you know, initially with social media and the Internet, but more recently artificial intelligence. And also, of course, um, through the eyes of our patients. Um, so, I mean, stuff that we've had on before, um, of course, we've had you, Brian, talking about, about digital health. 
Um, we've had Z Dog MD talking about um, uh, rap and music and medicine. Uh, we've had um, we've had a, a, we've got a talk on undertaking. That Thomas Lynch, who's an undertaker and um, essayist from Michigan, has spoken to us about the role of doctors um, after death, which is something we wouldn't uh, normally think about. Uh, Danielle Offrey has spoken to us about stories in medicine. We had Samuel Shem, who I'm sure you remember, Brian. He wrote The House of God. Um, right. Social media and technology. Mark Reed um, from Medi- Medical Axioms, who runs the Medical Axioms Twitter account, has been on. Uh, we've had stuff on music and medicine, um, uh, activism in medicine, and Buddhism and burnout. I mean, so it's a kind of an eclectic enough mad mixtape um, of perspectives. Um, which we think shine light on medicine, but the main, I guess, the main purpose of it is just to try and get people excited and reinvigorate them and reconnect them with a passion and wonder about medicine. That I think it's inevitable that we all lose a bit along yeah. the way for all sorts of reasons. So why, Ron, do we need dot med now? Um, you know, would this meeting have been needed twenty five years ago, or is there something different happening in medicine now that? mandates such a a wild borderless kind of meeting like this yeah (laughs) um i i i I suppose i tend to have have approached this myself from a kind of a a personal perspective like in some ways you know there's never been a better time to be alive in medicine um and as you say yourself brian these are interesting times in medicine right you know people are living longer we've got all these amazing treatments um uh, the introduction of technology to facilitate what we do, and yet, and yet, you know, uh, I think a lot of doctors um, are suffering, um, and I think at worst, um, people have become uh, burnt out and disengaged, um, and lost their passion and enthusiasm for um, medicine, um, and at best, and I think it's inevitable in any career, but it's particularly important when it happens in medicine. Um, I think for a lot of people, medicine has lost its luster and um, uh, doesn't get them as excited um, as it used to. And certainly, uh, I'm, I'm a rheumatologist, and I've seen all these amazing developments throughout my career in medicine. And yet at various stages, I find myself um, burnt out. Um, um, and in my earlier stages of my career, um, isolated, depressed, and anxious, and then mm-hmm. in more recent years, as I've seemed to have been able to manage that better, um, I think there's a sort of a plateauing that occurs in mid-career, Brian, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself, where once you've sort of achieved uh, what you assumed are all the goals you wanted to achieve, you kind of wonder what's, what's, what's next. So I think one of the big challenges um, for me in medicine, I know this is, this is not just peculiar to me uh, because of the interest in the conference, but, but is maintaining and enthusiasm and passion and curiosity for learning. So you can be as smart as you want to be. You can be as hardworking as you want to be. But unless you've got that get up and go and spark mm-hmm. an interest in what we do, um, I, I do think it's hard to maintain um, the level of learning that we need. So the initial idea behind the conference um, was, it was, to be honest, it was primarily I did it for myself. <laughs> and and I. I, I saw all these elements of things that um, I thought would impact in the way I thought about medicine that were not being fed to me by traditional um, educational means. So I go to our big annual scientific conference. Like, it's great. 
Um, in the U.S., right? In the U.S., the US yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to our, our big rheumatology conference. It's great. And um, I learned about all the new science and new treatments um, in, in my specialty. But I always kind of come away feeling like I'm missing something. Um, and f- funnily enough, my introduction to Twitter five or six years ago um, kind of opened my eyes to all sorts of perspectives in medicine that I, I'd sort of harbored an interest in myself, uh, but I'd never seen anybody express or articulate them. So, you know, the idea that my interest in, you know, music might inform the way I thought about uh, medicine or my interest in art or literature or reading, um, how technology is changing our day-to-day lives and yet doesn't really seem to feature um, that much in um, medical conferences. So all these these different things, Brian, um, um, I basically thought we'd start a conference and, and see if there was an interest in the things that sort of tick my boxes. And to my amazement, um, there's a huge hunger for lateral thinking um, and breaking down some of the, the silos that, that exist within medical specialties. So there's there's a couple of things uh, that I'll pick up on there. And uh, one of them is the the thing that we all go through mid-career, which is asking those bigger questions that you just referenced. Uh, there's a couple of things happening uh, in the States and I think at the other side of the pond as well, and that is the industrialization of medicine. Um, increasingly in the States, medicine has become a series of processes and physicians are commodities. And I find myself looking for bigger things and bigger sources of meaning for what I'm doing. Uh, and I find myself drawn towards the humanities on that level. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a unicorn in that I'm, I'm, I'm fixated and obsessed on some level with technology, but I'm also drawn to the stuff that we see at .md, uh, and I'm always thinking about how does technology interface with humans and and where do humans fit in? You know, mm, yeah, you know, one of the things that I see too is is the is technology does more and more of what you and I used to do with our eyes and our ears and our hands. I, I think about what, like what we can do as humans that machines can't. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of w- one of the focuses of the meeting, Brian, you know, is, is that, you know, to try and focus on the value that we provide as clinicians uh, to our patients. I mean, medicine is influenced by and underpinned by science and increasingly technology, but it, doesn't quite capture science and technology, don't quite capture um, some of the complexity of medicine. I mean, a lot of, a lot of that complexity is communicated to us from our patients through, um, through stories. Um, and that's, that's, been a, that's been a big interest in the conference. So, so this is about patients telling their stories um, about their healthcare experiences, but also about um, doctors um, reintroducing themselves and their experience as human beings in medical consultations to the to the grand narrative of healthcare, because science sometimes dictates that we remove ourselves um, from um, from the equation to make it as objective as possible. But of course, we're all human beings. So, Ronan, does this meeting also involve uh, patients and the patient experience as well? It, it always has, Brian. You know, I mean, every year um, we've we've um, done our best to include um, voices from patient perspective. So they could be patients who happen to be 
um, uh, writers. Um, so we've had contributions from uh, Sinead Gleeson, who's an amazing Irish uh, writer in, in his recent years. Um, there's a guy called Ed Gavigan, um, you might have heard of, who's um, uh, an architect who was um, stabbed in New York, who speaks about his um, experience. Yeah, he spoke at the first uh, yeah. .md that I spoke at, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and Marie Ennis O'Connor, who's a, a patient with cancer and is involved in social media and healthcare. So they all provide um, um, perspectives um, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost shameful to say as a clinician that, 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 <laughs> that, that we might not have expected, given that we see patients every day of the week. But I think at conferences like this, where you're hearing patient perspectives, um, they, you know, they take the gloves off and they don't always, um, they present things as they are. I think sometimes in the clinic they try to they try to um, please us and are less likely to complain. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I picked up on, and I think about this a lot too, is uh, the patients I see in the office and the e patients that I hear speaking on the main stage at meetings like .md and Medicine X. Um, they kind of want all the connection and all the um, benefits that come with connectivity and technology, but they're also yearning for, uh, yearning for touch and connection from, from providers, you know? Yeah, that's right. And, and one of the challenges we have, Brian, is, is how we sort of maintain that connection mm-hmm. and empathy and compassion, um, uh, you know, to make our, our jobs and our lives worthwhile and to improve the quality of care that we can provide for, for patients. So where do we fit in? I mean, where do we fit in with all this technology? Like I suggested, or you suggested, that a lot of what we used to do is being replaced. Um, and I always like to say, if a if a computer can do it, then it was never that human to begin with, right? Um, what's the future for the What's the future for the for the for the physician, and where are we going to fit in twenty, thirty years from now? Can you Can you speculate? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I, have, I have a clue, Brian. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I've sort of come <laughs> to the other, the other side of the, you know, is it the Gartner hype cycle on on um, health and technology? Yeah. When we started this meeting six or seven years ago, um, I think I was persuaded by the argument that you know a, a lot of what we do or doctors might possibly at some point be replaced by technology. I'm not sure I believe that um, anymore, unless I'm being very naive. Um, I always think that that, that um, contact with patients um, is, in terms of physical contact, of telling their story to another human being um, and how we can react to that as human beings ourselves. I don't think you can ever replace that. But let me, clar- let me clarify, yeah. Rona. I, what I think I was kind of getting, or what I kind of believe is, I think you and I aren't going anywhere. I think what we do... Uh, some of what we do is being replaced, and consequently, I think we're probably being radically redefined. Um, I think there's always going to be a. I think there's going to be a place for us. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Oh, no, I, I think, I think so. We're very different, right? I think so. I think so. Um, I, in lots of ways, I think it's going to make our job easier, and some of the routine stuff that uh, maybe we don't enjoy doing as much. Uh, would be replaced by by an AI or whatever. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not a luddite. I use technology a lot in my right, right, right. In, in in my practice. Um, 
to help me, but I, 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 I have been unable to duplicate or replicate myself uh, by software. <laughs> that, would be disturb- like- that would be disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, I think as as physicians, when I look around and I look at what's happening in Silicon Valley and the technology that's presented to us that we sort of are almost forced to use, I do think physicians have to play a greater role in defining where technology fits between us and the patient. I think there's this mindset that we get we get the EHR or we get these apps or we get whatever that some twenty year old designs you know designs in Silicon Valley and we kinda have to do it. And I think as a profession we really have to exercise our agency to really kind of help maintain that connection with patients and uh define where that fits in, you know? Yeah, I think I think as well, just because of the way we're trained, Brian, that um Sometimes we feel we need permission to do these things, you know. Um, oh, right. <laughs> whereas we, whereas we, 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 we don't really. Uh, and I think one of one of the reasons behind the conference is to try and soften people's edges up and make them realise mm-hmm. that there are these other opportunities, um, and that you know we have value and we can add value to people who are developing uh, these sorts of technologies. Yeah, but I think the way the way we're trained. Um, we feel like we need permission. Um, if it's not in the, if it's not on up to date, or it's not in the medical text and stuff, then you know why would we get involved? I think that's that's it. Yeah, we are definitely a permission based specialty. Uh, I know in the states, from our earliest moments as college students thinking about becoming doctors, we really are trained to walk in lockstep with guidelines for getting into medical school. And in medical school, we're getting into residency and so on and so forth. And uh, I think you're right. This is one of the things that kind of holds us back from taking ownership of some of this technology. And thinking outside the the boundaries, I think, is something we're not very good at. And I think that's one of the things that .md does really well is it uh, opens our eyes to sort of broader context for medicine, you know? No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, but the stakes are high, Brian. You know, you know, you, you, I, I do think we're right to be a little bit conservative and careful about some of these uh, technologies. Um, but the answer to that is not necessarily putting your fingers in your ears or blinding yourself. I think we should engage and get involved. Um, yeah. And um, for me, like it, it, it's one of the most enjoyable things that I've done over my career is working with um, you know, technology startup companies who are interested in health. Um, right. Cause there's all these things that we don't, don't even know that we know um, um, that are a huge value uh, to them. And I also think they're really exciting people to be around. Um, and whereas uh, we need to um, know where the boundaries are and the rules are um, um, uh, that, that can be broken. They don't have any sense of the rules. So it's nice to be sort of led and have your perspective stretched a bit. Um, right. And, and I like you, I've worked with some number of startups from Silicon Valley. And what's so remarkable is um, kind of how disconnected they are from the real workings of medicine. Uh, Silicon Valley is a bubble. And uh, I think, as you suggested, it is rewarding to kind of um, be around these young minds and uh, kind of guide them on some level. Um, and I, I th- like you, I think this is truly the most amazing time to be in medicine. And um, that's kind of what has driven 33 Charts, my blog. I I love watching the changes that are happening around me. And I 
it, for me, it's so frustrating because I, I'll look at a startup, I'll look at a company or a technology, and I'll say, "Gosh, I'd love to, I'd love to do that or or, or be with them, or I wish I had that idea." And then every day I saw, all, I see all these things, and I kind of feel like I want to participate in them. And so, having the capacity to write about them um, keeps me connected and keeps me grounded. And for me, writing and observing and watching and thinking. Uh, it's one of these things that kind of keeps me connected and keeps me sane. Um, and that's only possible through the internet and through democratization of media. And um, No, it's great to widen your perspectives. You know, I think as well that, that um, my friend uh, Paddy Barrett, um, who used to run the, the Dr. Paradox um, podcast, and he speaks a lot about burnout, was about in terms of preventing burnout and um, the idea of having multiple identities <laughs> as, mm-hmm. uh, or more than i mean so so we have identities as you know physicians and possibly as parents and so on um yeah. but if if you have if you for example have an interest in technology and you work with technology companies or you run a conference like this um if anything goes wrong in one dimension or domain of your life you have all these other, all these, right. other all, all these other spheres um, where you may continue to flourish and, um, and enjoy yourself. So I think if you're solely defined by medicine yeah. and something goes wrong, which it is going to, um, uh, it could be it could be really difficult if that's your entire identity. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, we need an outlet, Ronan. Well, I, I think we're doing it, Brian. Um, you know. I have to say that um, this meeting, um, it probably wouldn't have happened um, if it hadn't been for you in lots of ways for me. You, you ran a meeting um, called Millennial Medicine. Right. Um, and and we, ate barbe- we ate barbecue there, right? We did. We did. You took me to some Texas barbecue. and um, but, but I remember at the time um, thinking like there was seeing, seeing the program. And I think looking back on it, you had some stuff on social media and on uh, film and video in healthcare. You had some stuff on stories. You had some stuff right. on, on art. And I remember looking at the program, which was a one-day meeting in, right. um, in Houston. And I said, what the hell? And there was nothing else like it on the planet. Right. And I flew to Houston for a one-day meeting. That's right. Um, and uh, that kind of got me started. Um, and I also managed to... Um, steal about half your speakers for the first time <laughs> <laughs> in a good uh, way yeah yeah so, but i do think there's a hunger for um what these meetings provide um, brian you know thanks so much for listening to this podcast on the touchpoint media network i'm greg matthews the host of the data point podcast data point is all about how data and analytics are driving healthcare innovation today and in the future If you enjoy this podcast, I think you might want to give mine a try too. So when you finish up here, head on out to touchpoint.health and subscribe to the DataPoint podcast. You'll also want to check out some of the other great healthcare podcasts there as well. Have a great day and thanks for listening. So Ronan, let's talk about how how the meetings evolved. Uh, I know when it it started, I think I was at the first or second one and Um, it was at the Smock Alley Theater, right in That's Dublin. Right. Right. Yeah, beautiful, a uh, four hundred year old theater. So going forward, it's it's evolved since then. Tell me how this year is going to be different from that first year where I was there. Yeah, well, we've been lucky enough to have the meeting in this beautiful old theater space um, in Dublin. Um, beautiful and intimate, but 
the meeting has sort of outgrown the the venue. It, it, it held two hundred people in total, and last year we, we it, it sold out in about twelve hours, and we had a waiting list for another wow. two hundred and fifty three hundred people. Um, and uh, lots there of is a hunger for this, Ronan. No, I think there is. Um, so we decided to um, move it to a bigger venue, um, which is actually now in Galway, where I live, uh, on the on the west coast, um, and uh, we're right on the on a gateway to um, beautiful Connemara. Um, and we thought it would be nice to get people to Galway, which is a smaller city, and if you like, corral them there for two days, and just to try and build up a little bit on the. There's a kind of a retreat-like atmosphere at the mm-hmm. at the meeting, but there's kind of time to pause and reflect. And I think one of the best things about the meeting has been the people that you that you meet there. I mean, for me, in terms of meeting the speakers, it's like every dream come true. But in terms of the other, just meeting the the delegates, um, these are really these are just interesting people. They're interested people, you know, right. And, um, uh, well, and that's the thread, thread that draws us all together, right, Rana? These are all people who have come here because they're looking to look outside the margins, right? Yeah. So I think they kind of found their tribe, you know, and that's what I found when I visited you in in, in Houston. Um, um, I sort of found my gang. Um, so so we, we, we the, the meeting has, has has outgrown the venue. We've decided to run it over two days, and there's going to move it to a bigger audience. Of about five hundred people. Um, wow! So we're kind of um, it's a it's uh, going to be in Galway, um, which is um, uh, on the west coast of Ireland, um, uh, and um, we're going to try and give people a whole experience of Galway as a city as well. So um, so as as ever, the meeting will include um, some music, and you might say, well, what is music doing at a at a medical conference? Um, Really, it's to kind of soften people's edges up a little bit, and just to mm-hmm. let them know that they're at something that isn't quite their usual um, uh, medical conference. Um, and we've sort of expanded the program a little bit this year. Um, I am delighted that you're coming, Brian, as a speaker. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and um, we've got a number of different themes, but this year we're going to have stuff on art, uh, stories, jazz, death, and zombies. Um, wow! Amongst other things, and my, my um, pulse is quickening. <laughs> and so it, it is. It is a little bit eclectic, um, and in some kind of crazy way, all these different um, different strands all tend to unify. And with some mad alchemy, I haven't even worked out what it is myself. Um, uh, gives people a, a really great experience and reminds them what it is they loved about medicine in the first place. So, so in uh, conversations with Larry Chu, who runs the famous Medicine X conference, yeah. Yeah. one of the challenges I know that Medicine X has faced has been this demand for the the concept behind Medicine X, which is kind of – it's different from .md, but it's still that point of a tribe and a um, – it, it seems to – the conversation goes on all year. How are you going to maintain that intimate feeling that – dot md had four years ago or are you afraid that that could be lost or how what efforts do you make on that regard ronan um or you yeah, don't know look i i i really don't know brian i i, I think um i i i'm i don't know what the magic recipe for this meeting is i tend to i work with 
um, two colleagues, uh, Murray Schuston and Alan Koss, who were bo- both both physicians in terms of they gave me some help in designing the program. We just kind of slap it down on paper, and then somehow it it sort of works itself out. Yeah. Um, I agree that moving from a smaller venue to a to a to a bigger venue, you could lose some of the intimacy. But I think with the sort of careful programming, maybe some breakout sessions, and also giving people plenty of time to mix and gather and socialize um, uh, with careful attention to the kinds of social events that we use around the meeting and so on. But I don't think this is ever going to be a meeting which where you're going to have, you know, 2,000 people in a room. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I would much rather run a number of different you know, um, instances of the meeting um, in Ireland or around the world to accommodate an audience rather than to blow it up into something really big. But certainly an audience of four or 500 is, is, is very doable, I think. It would be great, you know, to kind of bring, to find a way to carry the the culture of .md online uh, so the conversation could happen all year, Ronan, you know, sort of. It's hard to do that. And it's it's easier said than done. But uh, be it with some social platform where we could all communicate or share some of the same frustrations and interests in looking outside the boundaries. Listen, I, I agree entirely, Brian. I mean, we, we, we video every presentation each year and we put them up online. They're up on the, up on the website. We've got a Twitter feed. We, um, you know, ask people what they want to hear. Um, but this is a kind of, um, uh, a small enough little organization, you know, and um, I guess one of the advantages of scaling up to a bigger meeting is that it might help us resource these kinds of um, um, things between meetings. Yeah. So uh, when you want to do dot MD in the United States, just give me a call. Oh, don't worry, Brian. The outpost. The outpost. I've, I've got your. I've got your number. I've got your number. <laughs> so how, Rona, How can people find out about? dot md and uh you guys have a site or a registration yeah yeah there's a, there's a website um it's um dot ie dot ie um and the twitter handle is at um dot md conf so it's dot md conf conf got it um, uh, but it's all accessible to the to the website. So all the old the the old talks are all up there. Um, your one is up there, Brian. Well, Ron, listen, this has been a just a fun conversation. You know, I think these meetings and uh, whatnot are shaped by the vision of their organizers, and uh, .md certainly is driven by your passion and and the sensibilities that you bring. You've you've created this unique mixture of digital culture, art, and humanity, and I thank you for that because I think it's something we definitely need. Well, thank you, Brian. Well, listen, I look forward to seeing you in Galway this year, and uh, I would encourage everyone to take a peek at the site and uh, see what Ronan's up to. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Ronan. This show is made possible in part by the Social Health Institute. Through research and partnerships with healthcare organizations around the country, the Social Health Institute explores new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategy. To learn more about the Social Health Institute, visit them online at socialhealthinstitute.com. That's socialhealthinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us in the exam room. If you like what you heard here, 
please rate the program, review us, or let folks know about us. And if you have any really cool ideas that you'd like discussed here, please feel free to let us know. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.